The following podcast represents the opinions of the host and is for educational purposes. These are not accusations, and everybody is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. So the second time I went to that house, I'm not sure what day it was, but it was the weekend of the 14th. Um, Of August? July. July. I don't know if it was the 14th or the 15th, Um, one of those two days. But we had went out, and we stopped there just real quick on the way back. And we were there not very long. But that time, I saw a picture of his wife and one of his kids. And I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, she's so beautiful. And I, like, took a step back, and I was just like, this man has a gorgeous house. He has beautiful babies. He has a beautiful wife. He has an awesome job. Like, why would he want to leave this? That was Nicole Kessinger, describing the second time she went to the Watts' home. Her tone was matter-of-fact, and her answers, at some points, were vague and oddly forgetful of any information that could provide detectives with the clues they needed to paint the whole picture and to understand what happened. Nicole described being at the Watts' home a second time on July 14, 2018, when Shanann and the girls were away in North Carolina. As she walked around the sparkling clean house, she couldn't help but notice all of the pictures on the walls. The happy memories of holidays, birthday parties, vacations, and every sort of joyful moment you can imagine decorated the walls. Staring down at this woman, you couldn't help but feel as if she was living someone else's life. I've been to that house twice, but it was very, very brief. And it was not, like, an extended stay. I did not feel comfortable there or, like, I just didn't want to be there. It's not my life. Like, that is somebody else's life and somebody else's existence, and I respect that. That's their space. And so I used to tell him, well, come to my house because this is, like, this is our space. This is my space. It must have felt strange. She couldn't make sense of any of it, at least according to her. Why would he want to leave this? But it was a question she already knew the answer to. Tonight, police issued a missing endangered alert for Shannon Watts and her two daughters. Her husband says she's been missing since Monday morning. Hi, Stacey. My name is Nicole, and I'm calling because I'm concerned about um, a friend of mine. A lot of you have been very active on Facebook tonight, reposting family pictures and hope that someone out there saw us. I just want them back. <laughs> I, just, I just want them to come back. If they are safe, they're coming back. But if they're not, this, this, this has got to stop. Like, somebody has to come forward. Raw drama in court as the cold-hearted killer who murdered his pregnant wife and two daughters is sentenced. May God have mercy on your soul. Why would he want to leave this? And I remember talking to him about it, and that was the first time that I tried to actually say, what do you think about not separating from your wife? Like, what if you really try to work on this? And he had expressed to me that we've tried to work on this and it's not working, so that is why we're separating. And I spent some time, like, just, you know, kind of, because it almost made me feel bad, where I was, like, to the point where... I'm engaging in a relationship with a man who, the way he described it, is in a contractual agreement, but was not in, like, an emotional relationship with somebody. Um, And for me, the way I would have preferred to do this is to have waited until that contractual agreement was also done, and he was done. And he could have approached me and said, I'm 
just had a divorce, you know, maybe we could take this slow. What do you think? But instead it was, oh, we're separated and we're working on a divorce. And that is the part that I feel bad about because... After listening to Nicole's interviews with police, I found it interesting how she continues to explain that she always was trying to get Chris to reconsider their relationship and try to work things out with Shanann to save their marriage. She said it multiple times, in multiple ways to multiple people, again and again. As I pointed out in the last episode, she was seemingly unaware that Chris was in any way still involved with his wife, aside from just a contractual obligation, and that things were totally over, and they would soon be officially over. And she certainly had no idea that Shanann was pregnant with their third child. She was just duped like everybody else. Or was she? As we know, Shanann was very active on social media, especially Facebook. Her page updated daily with what was happening in her life and the lives of those she loved. Her life was an open book, and you could find out anything you need to know about the Watts family if you just search Shanann Watts on Facebook. And that's exactly what Nicole Kessinger did in the early morning hours of July 1st, 2018. What she would have seen was a pregnant wife, loving family, and everything she couldn't have. So I wonder, how could she not have known that Chris Watts' marriage was far from over? It would be less than a month later that Nicole would open up Google and type into the search bar. Man I'm having an affair with says he will leave his wife. This is The Watts Tapes, a multi-episode deconstruction of the events that took place in Frederick, Colorado during the summer of 2018. I'm your host, Garrett, and this is the second episode in the weekly installments. What did she know about you? Did she know you were married at first? She did, once I showed her the pictures. Yeah, on the phone. Yeah, on the, like, you know, the home screen picture. Mm-hmm. So. so was your wife in that picture, or was it just your girls? It was just my girls right there, but my wife was the, like, the lock screen. Oh. So she knew I was married with my kids. Okay. Are you aware that she said she didn't know you were married? Yeah, what did you think about that? I figured it was like, you know, just trying to, same face, trying to, you know, I uh, just trying to, some of my sister said it was like, uh, just trying to keep things together. Yeah. Just trying to, she, she, she phrased it a different way, but just kind of like, uh, just like ground control, just trying to control everything that's going on around her, because I'm sure she got bombarded by all kinds of different sides. It seemed like Chris was having a hard time making sense of Nicole's conflicting statements, and he's not the only one. After listening to her talking circles to detectives, things just seemed off. And the more I listened, the more I began to wonder, what else was she lying about? Um, at one point he told me that they sat down and they talked about it and he told her that he wanted to either fix things or like to try to fix things and if she didn't want to fix them then they needed to like move forward with the separation and like actually file for a divorce at this point was was the impression that I got from this and just what he told me and so um he said that she was like pretty receptive to just not then on July 25th Chris searched Google on the following topics when to say I love you when to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship What do you feel when someone tells you they love you? How does it feel when someone says I love you? Strange topics. Almost as if the person typing them into the search bar has never felt love. 
were even able to connect to any basic human emotion. To be honest, I found it kind of creepy. And knowing what would eventually take place, it would explain a lot. A few hours later, at 4.35pm, Shane called Chris and held a 23-minute conversation. It was during that conversation Kessinger called Chris and left a voicemail. Following an eerily disconcerting childlike giggle, she told Chris, I miss your face. I was just calling to say hi. Call me back. Bye. That description was an excerpt from the Discovery documents, and I found it interesting that detectives would be so accurate in their descriptions of Nicole's disconcerting childlike giggle. Then, at 6.31pm, Chris searched Google for sand dunes weather. Then he called a 1-800 number and held a four-minute conversation. I called the number and confirmed it connects with Chase Bank. After this, Chris accessed myprepaidcenter.com. I visited this website, which services universal prepaid visa cards. The site promotes a 5% cashback incentive when used at preferred merchants. Two days later, on July 28th, Nicole and Chris visited the sand dunes. They took a lot of photos and videos, and among these is a video of Kessinger speaking into the camera. Thank you so much for coming out here with me, Christopher. I'm having a wonderful time. You mean a lot to me, and I'm glad that you're having a blast. I am so out of breath. <laughs> the next day, as usual, calls from Shanann went unanswered. Finally, at 5.59 p.m., having not heard from Chris, Shanann texted him. I'm assuming you're safe considering it's been three and a half hours. He replied, There was a car on fire and the Renaissance Festival traffic in Colorado Springs. Just got our car headed home. Later that night, the two held a 14-minute conversation, and as soon as the call ended, Shanann texted Chris, Sorry you're so tired, but I haven't talked to you in 48 hours, and I had a hard weekend. Glad I have you to talk to. Continuing the sarcasm, she added, If you care. Chris replied, I'm sorry you had a hard weekend, boo. I will make it up to you, I promise. I'm sorry, I'm out of it tonight. Shanann responded, It would have been nice for my husband to show interest in how the girls and I are, and the baby. I'm done with begging for you to talk. See you Tuesday. She added, You're out of it from playing. Soon after this message, Chris again visited myprepaidcenter.com. Then on July 31st, Chris left for North Carolina to see his family. He told me that, uh, oh, he went to, um, he went to North Carolina. And he was like, I'm going to talk to her when I'm in North Carolina and see if I can get her to do this, to, like, try to, like, rekindle the flame. Phone records reveal Chris had transferred all of his photos of Nicole and his trip to the sand dunes into a secret calculator app on his phone, as well as deleted Kessinger's APC Health Safe Environmental contact from his phone. Then at 10.18 a.m., Chris texted Shanann that he'd just landed in Raleigh. Shanann asked him to let her know when you were coming down the escalator so I can record the girls. Chris communicated far more with Kessinger than is reflected in his phone data, perhaps through the secret calculator application. He was receiving assorted nude images of Kessinger that she was taking and sending to him during his tired trip to North Carolina, 
which he then stashed in that application to make sure Shanann would never see them. At this point, from what I could tell from her interview, it looked like things weren't getting too serious for Nicole and Chris. According to her, Chris was more into it than her. She was on the fence about where things could go. She would always play second fiddle the way things were. She wasn't sure she could do it. But then, on August 4th, just before 1am, Kessinger once again opened up Google and typed into the search bar two words. Two words that would once again fuel my suspicions. She searched for wedding dresses, and then spent the next two hours looking for that one dress, and one can only assume began planning the wedding of her dreams. Just hours after searching for wedding dresses, Nicole again browsed Chris and Shanann's Facebook accounts. As usual, Shanann's Facebook page was filled with videos and photos of a picture-perfect family enjoying their vacation. Visits to the beach, barbecues, and her loving husband smiling into the camera. Everything looked perfect, at least through the lens. Then, on August 7th, the family returned to Colorado. That day, Shanann's friend texted her and asked her if they were doing any better. Shanann replied, No, it's so bad and I don't know what to do. He told me he doesn't want this baby and he's happy just with Bella and Celeste. He thought he wanted another one. I'm so sick to my stomach. Her friend says that Chris is just scared probably and that it will be fun once the baby comes. And that's when her friend asked, could Chris possibly be having an affair? He said he's not having an affair, Shanann told her. When her friend asked if she was 100% sure, Shanann replied, honestly, no. But what else could make him do a complete 360? We couldn't get enough of each other before I left. Shanann didn't know who he was anymore. Shanann told her friend they never had a problem like this in the relationship ever, and that this was a total left-field move. She said Chris hadn't even asked about her or the baby, even once. Shanann was clearly worried that Chris really didn't love her anymore. And as the time in North Carolina passed by, Shanann noticed Chris came back a different man, and even began to get aggravated with the kids around him. The two finally agreed to go to couples therapy, because they were committed to working things out and saving their relationship. They also were planning a trip to Aspen, just the two of them, to give themselves some time alone, to work things out and just be free of all the day-to-day -day stress. It almost looked as if things were going to work out. I didn't know what had happened to me. So Nikki even asked me, like, Are you, have you done this before? Have you ever strayed away? I'm like, I've never even thought about it. It's like, what's, what's different? It's like, I guess it's just you that's different, because I've just never actually, like, like, I've seen girls smile at me before, never done anything about it with her. It was just like, like she had a leash on me and she tugged me away. As soon as she walked, I'm like, what the heck is going on? So. Both Nicole and Chris's interviews contain hours of conversations, admissions of guilt, and long-winded answers describing in detail what anybody could find out in a simple Google search. And that's exactly why I started this podcast. It's because within these interviews, the hours of conversations, there's nuggets of information slipping between the cracks. That alone raise no red flags, but together, they can help connect the dots and raise some serious doubts. In the previous clip, when Chris was speaking with the detectives, he began to ramble. Soon his mind switched gears, and he said something I found very interesting. As I mentioned previously, and as we all know, during Chris's Watts' entire relationship with Nicole Kessinger, she was, as she said herself, under the impression his marriage was all but over. So I wonder, why did she ask? 
Nikki even asked me, like, are you, have you done this before? Have you ever strayed away? I'm like, I've never even thought about it. It's like, what's, what's different? It's like, I guess it's just you that's different because I've just never actually, like, like, I've seen girls smile at me before, never done anything about it with her. It was just like, it's like she had a leash on me and she tugged me away. As soon as she walked, I'm like, Piece by piece, things were starting to make sense. When I first started this podcast, I read a lot of theories online. Like anything else in the public domain, the conspiracies were out there. But I never really gave much thought to most of them. I mean, the police do their jobs and they catch the bad guys. And after all, Chris Watts was charged and convicted of killing his entire family, alone. But, not everybody is convinced. There are quite a few people who would tell us, and who do tell us, you need to look into Nikki more, Nikki Kissinger. All the way from the extreme end of things being, Nikki's the one who ordered the hit. She was there, I'm in the basement. She was she there. Was, yeah. You know, so the, the extreme is, she's the one who told Chris to do it, she's the real problem. All the way, that's the extreme side, and then all the way to, well, there were these texts where she was infatuated, she was in love, she was saying how good Chris was in the sack, and, Maybe we should look at her more. You know, what would you say to those people? Like, you know, she, she had her moments where I had to talk her like off a ledge kind of deal. What does that mean? It's like, she, I guess after the fact, there was like videos of her that she was like recording herself because she was like bipolar or something. I never knew that. But there, it's like, and she would get worked up about nothing. She would just like, she came to my house once because I think it was like July. July 4th, I I didn't have to work that day, so I didn't like get up at like you know four o'clock and go home. And Shannon called me like ten times in a row, and I didn't hear it because I was sleeping. And I was just like, and she was pissed. Shannon was pissed. Shannon was pissed. And like I called her on outside, like where are you at? Like what? Are you, like, like I was like I didn't have to work today. It's like he called me at like you know five thirty. It's like my kids want to talk to you at seven thirty. I'm like. Like, I was sleeping, she's like, and she just like, you know, screw you, like, you know, like, I don't know where you're at, and I'm fine. And I went back inside, told me, like, I gotta go. I called Nikki later, and she was like, you know, like, she kind of realized that, you know, she'd always be like, you know, the second, you know, second, she said second bill. Sure. And because that's how I probably would come back that day. Just, you know, I, I don't want to be anywhere else when she calls. She was already pissed, so. It was stuff like that where she would real, like she would go. Excuse She said she would go on like uh, websites and look at like will a relationship work with somebody? Like will a mistress work? With, will a mistress turn into a relationship? That's what Nikki was looking at. Yeah. She would tell you that, or you she heard told that? me that. Okay. Yeah, she said that she would go on websites and look at stuff like that. Just the I was like, why do you even look at stuff like that? She's like, I just want to see what other people have experienced. But like, so that confuses me though because. I thought earlier you were saying she thought you were heading toward a divorce. So why was she looking at herself as this a mistress? Was, this was later on. Oh. Like, okay. you know, in, in August, like okay. the first week of August, when I told her, like, you know, I had to have that talk with her about separation. Uh-huh. That's when, like, she started looking at, like, apartments and stuff. But, like, during our July relationship type thing there. Oh, I see. That's when she was looking up, like, you know, you know it will actually work. work. 
And she told she told her friend Brittany about it, I guess. And Brittany told her not to do it, but she said she already made a decision. Chris was telling detectives a lot more than I think he even realized. And, suddenly, it looked like the conversation started to take a turn. From discussing his involvement, to Nicole's. To join the discussion and gain access to police reports, interviews, and material related to this episode, head to theunforgivables.com. Content is updated weekly, and you're welcome to review the documents and come to your own conclusions. Thanks for listening to The Watts Tapes. We'll be back next week with a new episode, and you can listen to all the episodes of The Watts Tapes for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review. It really does help. Um, my detective just showed up. Um, so he'll probably want to talk to you. He'd probably, like I said, he might have you call at the bank and see if there's any kind of activity. Um, because if there is any sort of action out there, his cameras, I would have got it. Like right. had, I had, we had issues the other other week when people were, coming, were stealing stuff out of like garages and stuff like that. And I have parked my truck. I right had here. park right here. Yeah. So you someone, can see if I can see where happened. someone tried to jimmy with a flathead screwdriver over there, and it was just like, but it. Any action would have happened, any cars or anything left yeah. your house, I would have yeah, been like right in that area. It should have picked, I mean, like oh, it'll pick up anything coming down the street this way. You know where that trigger is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Watch, I'll show you. There's nothing on here. We've already watched that one. But, like, you'll see this car. What security system do you have? Yeah, it's to You can see this car starting to drive down the street. Do you right one. Oh, what? See what I'm saying? It picks up all the way down there. That's cool. He's next door. Here we go. I was talking about dispatch room. It'll be close for. Yeah, we can pick up cars coming this way. I get anything coming this way and making this turn. So, and usually at night I pick up the cars pulling a year turn. So, unless they pulled right here, yeah. but I would have caught her walking out. Diesel. Here's good. Yeah, I thought nothing. Nothing for the rest of the day. No, that's it. She's pregnant as well. How far along? 14, 15 weeks.